uh, welcome to the CSF Monthly Podcast for August 2021. As you know, this is a podcast that, that, that aims to keep you up to date with the latest information and data in the field of rheumatology. And that's especially important for us as this pandemic rolls on and as we try and re-enter the reality that is musculoskeletal clinical practice. On today's podcast, I'm going to focus on an essential part of the assessment of patients with rheumatic diseases, namely patient reported outcomes or PROs. Uh, improving PROs is, is obviously crucial to get any tangible change in disease and patient outcome. And the extent to which PROs are now included is, I think, representative of that across so many clinical trials. So with this in mind, there are two papers I want to highlight. The first comes from my dear friend Vivekis Strand and evaluates the effect in PROs of uparacitinib monotherapy versus methotrexate in people with rheumatoid arthritis. And the second paper comes from my equally good friend, Kurt de Vlam, which assesses the impact of baseline pain severity and pain response and time to improvement in people with PSA receiving tofacitinib. Now, as always, to assess detailed summary slides of the papers I'm discussing today, just go along to cytokinesignaling.com. It's a treasure trove of fantastic information and uh, I commend it to you. Well, let's turn to the first paper, which is uh, uparacitinib monotherapy. It improves patient reported outcomes in rheumatoid arthritis. And these are data from select early and select monotherapy. I think all of us are aware that rheumatoids associated with substantial reduction in health-related quality of life. Um, the, the, the features of disease are so familiar, pain, fatigue, impaired physical function, and all of these are negative contributors to the health-related quality of life metrics and lead to impaired work productivity and general misery, to be honest. This analysis sought to evaluate the effect of uparacinitin uh, monotherapy versus methotrexate and PROs in methotrexate-naive patients and methotrexate-inadequate responders with moderate to severely active rheumatoid. Uh, PROs from select early and select monotherapy randomized control trials were evaluated at weeks 2 and weeks 12 or, or 14, just reflecting some of the subtleties of trial design. And patients were more than or equal to 18 years of age, RA symptoms for more than or equal to 6 weeks, uh, for the select early methotrexate naive group or diagnosed more than or equal to three months prior in the select monotherapy methotrexate inadequate response group. Uh, patients received um, uparacitinib monotherapy, 15 or 30 milligrams or methotrexate. And the PROs, well, they included the patient global assessment of disease activity, pain, visual analog scale, hack disability index, morning stiffness, uh, duration and severity, the, the functional assessment of chronic illness therapy, that's FACET, which measures mainly fatigue, and um, health-related quality of life by the 36-item short-form health summary and work productivity and activity impairment, um, WPI, in the Select Early Study. Uh, least square mean changes, portions of patients reporting improvements greater than or equal to the minimum clinically important differences, MCID and normative values were determined. Well, what are the results? Well, a, a total of 945 methotrexate naive patients and 648 methotrexate inadequate responders with active RA were included. Um, at week two, compared with methotrexate, both doses of uparacitinib resulted in significant least square mean changes from baseline and, and that, that's pretty early. Patients reported improvements greater than or equal to the minimum clinically important difference also found these important differences emerging as early as week two. 
Now, when one looks in more detail at the week 12, 14 data, in general, treatment responses between the two different doses of uparacetinib were similar. Uh, by 12, 14 weeks, 74 uh, to 84% of methotrexate naive patients and 61 to 83% of methotrexate inadequate responder patients treated with uparacetinib monotherapy reported clinically meaningful improvements in um, patient global pain, physical function, and morning stiffness severity compared to 45 to 71% of those treated with methotrexate. And overall, um, UPA monotherapy versus methotrexate resulted in greater reported uh, changes from baseline to weeks 12 or 14 in the patient global pain, HAC DI, morning stiffness, facet, um, health-related quality of life, and uh, WPI uh, measures. Um, in methotrexate-naive patients, improvements in PROs reported for UPA monotherapy were significantly greater than for methotrexate therapy alone. Well, putting all of this together in methotrexate-naive patients and methotrexate-inadequate responders with active rheumatoid uparacitinib monotherapy at 15 or 30 milligrams uh, over 12 to 14 weeks compared to methotrexate alone resulted in statistically significant and clinically meaningful improvements in pain, physical function, morning stiffness, and health-related quality of life. Um, and I think that suggests that dupadacitinib monotherapy is going to be a, a valuable option for us in ongoing treatment. Now, what about the, the second paper, Median Time to Pain Improvement and the Impact of Baseline Pain Severity and Pain Response in People with Psoriatic Arthritis Treated with Tofacitinib? So moving to different disease, uh, different medicine, but same general theme. Um, higher levels of pain had been reported in people with psoriatic arthritis compared with uh, uh, patients with other rheumatic diseases. We're not quite sure why that is. And nevertheless, reducing pain is therefore a primary treatment concern for all of our people who have psoriatic arthritis. This post hoc analysis of OPAL Broaden and OPAL Beyond evaluated time to improvement and the impact of baseline pain severity and pain response in patients with PSA receiving tofacitinib. OPAL Beyond, 12-month trial of TNFI naive patients with an inadequate response to one or more conventional synthetic DMARD. OPAL Beyond, six-month trial of patients who had an inadequate response to one or more TNF inhibitor. And patients were randomized to tofacitinib 5 or 10 milligrams BID, placebo, uh, with a switch uh, to active drug at month three. And OPAL Broaden included an adalimumab 40 milligram every other week treatment arm, although the study wasn't designed to test uh, non-inferiority or superiority. Um, patients who were treated with TOFA 5 milligrams, placebo switching to tofacitinib 5 BID at month 3 and adalimumab 40 milligrams every other week were included in this analysis. Improvement in pain, that's greater than 30 or greater than 50% decrease from baseline and visual analog score was assessed. Uh, the medium time to initial and continued pain improvement was estimated for all treatment arms using a Kaplan-Meier plot, and a parametric uh, model was used to determine the relationship between baseline pain severity and time to pain response in patients receiving tofacitinib. Now, the patient demographics, uh, baseline characteristics were generally similar between treatment groups, and most patients receiving tofacitinib 5 milligrams BID had baseline visual analog score pain scores between 30 and 80 millimeters. Uh, approximately 10% of patients had baseline scores less than 30 and uh, baseline scores greater than 80 in the pooled data set. 
At month three, more patients experienced pain improvements with tofacitinib and adalimumab as compared with placebo. In Opal Broaden, 56% and 47.6% respectively of patients receiving tofacitinib 5 milligrams experienced a greater than 30 or greater than or equal to 50% improvement in pain from baseline versus 34% and 21% of patients receiving placebo. Similar results were seen in the Opal Broaden. Should note that we, we weren't able to find the percentages given there in the, in the actual paper itself. Pain improvements with tofacitinib 5 milligrams BID were observed as early as month one in both studies. And clinical improvement um, in, in pain was experienced more rapidly with tofacitinib 5 milligrams BID compared with placebo. Um, for TOFA, there was a, a median of 55 days to initial and 60 days to continued pain improvement uh, of greater than or equal to 30% and 85 days for initial and 171 uh, days for continued improvement at the level of greater than or equal to 50%. Uh, median days to improvement was longer for the placebo to tofacitinib group with a median of 106 days for initial and 126 days for continued improvement at the 30% level and 169 days for initial improvement at the 50% level. Uh, there was no way to estimate uh, the continued improvement in that latter group. The predicted time to pain improvement with tofacitinib was more rapid in people with higher baseline pain severity compared with those with lower baseline pain severity. Probably that's intuitive. So what do we conclude from this? Well, clinically important improvements in pain were experienced by more patients and more rapidly with tofacitinib 5 milligrams twice daily and adalimumab 40 milligrams every other week compared with placebo. Um, patients receiving active treatment maintained pain improvements throughout the studies and high baseline pain was associated with faster pain improvements in those receiving tofacitinib 5 milligrams BID. Um, overall, the, the data tend to suggest that around a quarter of patients could experience initially more than or equal to 30% pain improvements by approximately two weeks following the initiation of therapy. So, put this together. It's an analysis that provides information which is of value because clinically meaningful improvements in pain are really vital and I think we can expect them in our patients with PSA receiving TOFA or adalimumab. And that baseline pain severity is I think quite important and gives us confidence in our conversations with patients. Well, of course, we're never idle, so we've also added to the CSF library this month two papers with a focus on adverse events. The first uses genome-wide association studies to identify genetic factors associated with an increased risk or faster onset of herpes zoster in subjects with RA or psoriasis receiving tofacitinib. And the second is a, a descriptive case report from clinical trials assessing the risk of developing non-infectious interstitial lung disease during baricitinib treatment. And the final study uploaded to the CSF website this month provides us with some real-world data comparing the efficacy and safety of tofacitinib and baricitinib in people with rheumatoid arthritis. And as always, to view the publications uploaded this month and to access other podcasts and resources, head across to sitecoundsignaling.com. And it leaves me only to thank you for your attention. Please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Let us know what you think by leaving a review. And of course, in these very strange times, I wish you safe and healthy times. Thanks very much for your attention.